The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second in time on the first double play. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop, that's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture here at Midweek. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Plenty to talk about today. We'll talk markets with Steve Nicholson, analyst with Rabble Agrifinance. We'll get thoughts on the China trade situation from Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist. Is this as good a deal as we were originally told? Is it starting to unravel already? We'll talk about that. And we'll get a harvest update from Ohio. Cy Prettyman will join us to give us an update uh, from the Buckeye State. But right now, we're going to start things off talking about the EPA announcement yesterday concerning the RFS. When the announcement came out earlier this month, you've heard me say this many times, I had concerns because part of that announcement put a lot back in the hands in the lap of EPA And based on its history when it comes to the RFS, especially in recent years, I thought that was a big concern. I know our next guest uh, certainly had those concerns, too. He joins us now, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thank you for joining us. Uh, This looks to be a step back from where we were uh, from the last announcement regarding the RFS. What are your thoughts? Well, good morning, Mike, to you and, and your listeners. It's always good to join you. And I think over the years, you and I have um, often had similar opinions when it comes to uh, bright, shiny objects um, w- without many details and the role of EPA. And it doesn't make any one of us, uh, either one of us, better to say, we told you so. But um, I think there was reason to. Um, you know, not uncork the champagne on October 4th because we hadn't seen the details. And and now we have, and they're woefully inadequate, Mike. Um, EPA is proposing uh, to do something that certainly wasn't part of the discussion leading up to the October 4th announcement by the White House. If, If one thing stood out from the White House announcement two weeks ago, it was the headline that at least 15 billion gallons would be insured for blending in 2020. Well, now we've seen how EPA proposes to do that, and there is absolutely no guarantee that at least 15 billion gallons will be blended in 2020. And so um, this is a major problem, and we've got a lot of work to do between now and the November uh, 29th comment period on this supplemental rule. Yeah, not only, I mean, the, the previous announcement led us to believe the uh, the integrity of the 15 billion gallons would be protected, and in days since, President Trump was even talking about it being up to maybe 16. And now it looks like we may not even get the 15. Explain what EPA says they may do and why that uh, makes that 15 not a a firm number anymore. 
absolutely. First, I'll explain what we were led to believe EPA would do back on October 4th. The evening of October 3rd, Mike, late that evening, uh, myself and several of my colleagues uh, were on a phone call with White House and EPA and USDA officials to provide a little background on the, on the deal. And what we were told is that they were going to look at the three-year average of uh, small refinery exemptions they granted for 2016, 2017, and 2018. In 2016, 19 exemptions were granted for 800 million gallons of exempted volume. In 2017, almost 2 billion gallons of exempted volume uh, through those exemptions. And in 2018, 1.4 billion gallons of exempted volumes. We were told they were going to average those three years, and that's about 1.35 billion gallons, and add that onto the 2020 RVO minus any small refinery exemptions. And we were led to believe that would get us at least 15 billion gallons. And as you said, the president even alluded to maybe 16. Well, now what we've seen, and this is this is a little complicated, but EPA has said, here's what we're going to do instead. We're going to pretend as if we were issuing partial exemptions those three years. They weren't. They were issuing full exemptions, full waivers to these refineries. Now EPA is saying, well, let's. Let's live in a make-believe world that we were only issuing sort of half or partial exemptions to those refineries, and let's use that imaginary partial volume as what we reallocate in the 2020 RVO. And the bottom line, it's about half or less than half than what we expected would be reallocated onto the 2020 RVO, Mike. And so um, far, far from what we were promised, this is a huge problem. And we're going to have to lean on our elected leaders and really uh, submit a lot of comments to try to get this thing turned around. Yeah, a lot of smoke and mirrors here, but basically using a, a formula that that's inaccurate, something they wouldn't do before. Now they're trying to use some of that to justify what they're going to do now. Yeah, it's really maddening. i got to tell you, when I got to page 9 of the 20-page document yesterday, I blew a gasket because they they do these you know legal ease gymnastics in in the proposed supplemental. You know we we were always encouraged by the Department of Energy to issue these partial waivers, and we never really thought that that was the right approach. But now we think that probably made sense, and so we're going to pretend as if we were issuing you know these eighty five full exemptions and four billion gallons of eroded um, RFS statutory demand you remember that just forget about that now imagine we only did about half that much damage and we're going to sort of apply that reallocation method going forward it really blows the mind uh it's a far cry from what was promised from the white house and the president um and it just makes me angry thinking about farmers who two weeks ago thought okay maybe things are going to get get right again maybe the rfs is going to get back on track again and here we go again on this sort of ridiculous roller coaster um, that EPA is taking us on when it comes to the RFS. Kind of wonder now what that next uh, word might be from the White House. Will the president or anyone at the White House even acknowledge this and the problem that farmers still have with it? Well, he better. I, I got to tell you, I think the, the, the patience has run out for some in rural America, and it's run thin for everyone else. 
and I know that the Iowa senators in particular heard an earful yesterday. I have to imagine that they're making calls, if they haven't already, to the White House this morning um, to alert the president. You know, there's a school of thought, well, the president doesn't know anything about this. Um, there's also a school of thought that his hands have been involved in, in, in all of this from the get-go. And, you know, I don't know which school of thought I'm, I'm subscribing to today, but th- these dots have to connect, and we have to um, rattle the cage of, of this White House pay attention to what's going on so we can try to get this thing fixed. Yeah, I think it comes down to if he didn't know, he should have known and uh, long before this. So, all right, Brian, uh, thanks uh, for your perspective on this. We'll be talking more about it, but this certainly is not good news for the biofuels industry uh, today for sure. Brian, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mike. Take care. Brian, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Stay with us. We'll talk markets next with Steve Nicholson with Robo Agrifinance on AOA. Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres. That's smart. With Credenz Soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credenz variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk markets with grain and oil seeds analyst for Robbo Agrofinance, Steve Nicholson. Steve, thank you for joining us uh, after last Friday's uh, announcement about China. I thought we'd be doing, you know, handstands, but uh, every day since then, it's kind of. I don't know there have been a few more cracks show up in that deal and a lot of questions. How, how do the markets look at it? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Yes, I think you're exactly right. I think people, after the announcement on Friday and the, the Chinese vice premier was in the Oval Office and everyone thought, okay, it's all done and everything's all finished. But like everything in this administration, there's, you know, the initial announcements and, and we can talk about any sort of topic, you know, any sort of issue. Um, particularly around agriculture, it seems like we've gotten sort of the brunt of it. Um, there's been a lot of uh, hoop and holler, and then the sort of fades away. And and I think that's kind of where we're with China. You know, China has again promised 40, I think, or let me say this. The president said China had promised, I, let's get this right, they'd buy 40 to $50 billion worth of agricultural products in the United States. Um, the Chinese have not really confirmed that, and we've seen this story unfold before. And then, and then you start looking back, and I look back and okay, well, how much is China? What's the most recent high? And that was back in 2013 at uh, 20. I think it's a little over, uh, just just under 29 billion dollars worth of agricultural product, commodities, and related and related products. And and that was when commodities were really really high. And so now you're thinking commodities are down. And you're thinking, okay, well. That's that's a pretty big jump, and maybe that's happened if we ship some more animal protein. But that's a pretty big. I mean, it's a, that's a pretty big jump, and so I think we have to kind of try to put that again in context of what it is and what it's not. But you know, as we've said before, the Chinese have made, or 
people have made promises with the Chinese, or the Chinese have made promises, and and nothing happens. And but you know, I think I think the best thing I have read about it, or I think the and it's not the best thing, but it's the most the most kind of honest thing about it is that farmers are still struggling under a tariff under tariffs the Chinese have put on U.S. agricultural products. That didn't change on Friday. It didn't change Monday. It didn't change Tuesday. It hasn't changed today. And so we're still operating in an environment where we're where you know tariffs are on U.S. agricultural products going to China. This is again, like we've said more than once, this is not going to happen overnight, and this is going to take a while. And don't don't get your hopes up too fast. When I watched the <laughs> press conference in the White House yep. Friday, well, yep. I. Overall, the tone was very positive, and uh, I hope is a sign of good things to come. I have to admit, I cringed when President Trump kept saying, well, the farmer is going to need to go out and buy more land to produce enough to uh, to sell all this to China. And I thought, well, one, you know, it's not a done deal, and two, it ignores completely the surpluses we have to sell. We, we can produce plenty right on the uh, land we have now, uh, and the trouble is getting deals done to, to, to move that uh, uh, production. So I, I just thought, I, I don't know, it just seemed like it was a... It, it was try, it was a big reach to try to sell too much too soon when we didn't really have a, enough uh, uh, you know really signed and sealed on this thing. Right, and I, and I had the same feeling you did when I when he said that. I was like, well, there's not a lot of land agricultural land to buy. Um, I think most of what's agricultural you know going to be tilled in the United States is pretty well tilled. Um, and I, you're absolutely correct. We can produce what we need to produce. If we need to produce more, I can, it can, we can ramp it up. I mean, we've shown that obviously in the last decade. You know, again, the deal is a long ways from being done. And I, as, I, as we said right off the top, don't get, don't get too excited yet because there's lots of water going to the bridge. And we still haven't got to the thorny issues of intellectual property, copyright, trademark, contra- sanctity of a contract, technology transfer. That hasn't been dealt with yet, and this is probably going to be more than a phase one, two, or three sort of negotiation. This is going to be a multi-phased event that we're just going to have to we're going to have to get through, and it's going to be a long haul. I, I thought the other thing that stood out. I hope this comes true. I mean, he started talking about numbers way higher than maybe we'd even ex- thought could be coming out of this. Uh, uh, yep. If if that proves to be true, that's certainly going to be great. But uh, now you've set, uh, it seems to me, another high bar of expectation, and you wonder if it can be met. Well, that's right. And and, and that's the thing, you know, in, in it, it's all, everyone has different forms of negotiation, and I think that's, um, and we have to recognize up front, the president has one one set of negotiation style, or has a different negotiating style than, than the Chinese do, and and you probably have a ne- different negotiating style than I do, and that and that's okay, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, and it's but it does set, you know, I guess my background in in commodity procurement with food companies was, you know, you you started that process, and it's a long process, as it's like a courtship, but you never lay all your cards on the table right up front. Now there are some people who like to do that, lay them up front, and then and then work from there to try to meet in the middle. Um, you always try to, I did, from my view, is you always try to work your way into an agreement rather than try to work work backwards. And so, it, you know, from a from a very high expectations. And the markets, you could see the reaction of the markets. Um, 
you know, both equity markets and commodity markets, and, and since then we've kind of seen them start to kind of set back and say, well, maybe this isn't this isn't all done yet, and maybe it's not as big a deal as we thought, and, and so on and so forth. So, I, you know, we've got to we have to make our decisions on expectation. I mean, we have to make our decisions not based on expectations, but the reality of what the market is giving, you know, producers in particular, and, and knowing what their individual situations is, and go from there. And it's like, you know, I, I'll use the analogy with MFP. You know, when MFP was announced, we didn't know the details, and we didn't know what the payouts would be. And, you know, one of our coaching or counseling to farmers was, okay, this is, we don't know what this is. We don't know what it's going to be. So think about it as if you're getting a bonus. You know, this is money that you can put away. This is not money that you live on or spend early. And I think it's the same with China. We have to make decisions of what we know today, not what we expect to happen, because as we've seen with China, those expectations have been doused more than once in the past. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. All right, Steve, let's talk about the, the harvest, where we're at, and market reaction. Yeah, you know, it's. I think the last week we've seen a lot of activity, obviously. Um, we've seen that in the numbers, but there still is a lot of corn, and we're going to pick on corn first. Certainly corn is, you know, through the dense stage or mostly through the dense stage, and we're starting to see maturity uh, move up. You know, that's the good sign. Uh, you know, I think that there's we're now going to start to get here in the next couple weeks, uh, once it dries out in some of the areas, we'll really get into that corn that was planted a little later, um, see what it's like, how what is it? What's is it good? Is it bad? Whatever the case might be, you know. In, in discussing some of our you know, what's going on up in the, and I'll call the northwestern corn belt, specifically North Dakota, Red River Valley. Um, talking to our our folks up there yesterday, yes, there were some. There's going to be some damage, um, and I think there's going to be some issues. But I don't think it's as bad as what we've all what it's all been kind of made out to be. Uh, there's certainly going to be some loss, but I think the biggest thing in this harvest now that's starting to come to light is quality. You know, whether it's corn or soybeans, like test weights, you know, if the crop is mature, that's a good thing. But does it get, can we get it dried down? Um, how is, how do we get it dried down? Is it a, is the quality of the grain there from a feeder standpoint? And, you know, I'm asking cattle feeders, I said, is that a big deal? And I kind of get, well, it kind of is and kind of isn't. But if you're sending, in the quality and if you need quality for food production or for food manufacturing or you need it for milling ethanol or you need it for milling you know in a corn wet mill you know you need a high quality crop and so i think there's going to be there could be some severe discounts in the country that we haven't thought about and we haven't talked to beans you know beans doesn't get if they if they're not mature when they're, or they're too wet and we still have green beans or as we all remember painfully last year the the black beans and the gray beans we harvested you know, the quality's not there. You're not going to get meal and oil out of them. So I think that's the, one of the biggest things I'm hearing about now out of the country is, is just that situation. What is the quality of this crop coming out? Um, people are obviously concerned about yield, but, you know, I think quality is becoming a bigger issue as we go forward here. Real quick, any what do you see as far as market reaction here? Anything going to move the market significantly, you think? No, I think in the on the future side, you know, I don't. I think we're kind of where we are. We're going to we're going to sit here. Um, I do think there still is some upside when we find the fact that maybe we don't have as much crop, particularly test, light test weights. But when you get in that quality thing, that's where the bases will start to really. That's where the bases will really shine. That's where you'll see the upside, and you'll see people bidding up for quality in the country on the bases, and that's where to be watching. As we've always said, that's where your money can be made or lost, and so pay attention to that for sure. All right, Steve. Good to talk with you. Thank you very much. We'll good stay in touch. To 
Yep. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Take care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. All right, coming up next, we are going to take a look at this China deal. What we know at this point, how big uh, should the concern be uh, over what's happened since the announcement on both sides? Uh, we're still hearing about things not signed, sealed, uh, concerns raised about tariffs still. We'll get into all that with former USDA Chief Economist Joe Globber next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Joining us now to talk U.S.-China trade is Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist, now senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute. Joe, thank you for joining us. It seemed like we were, if while not having a final deal done, very close and having made significant progress towards a deal with China. But now it seems like there are questions and concerns and and people kind of wondering and maybe doubting just how good a deal this might be or how close we are to having a final deal done. What are your thoughts? Well, you, you, you're right. Uh, part of it is just, there's been a lack of detail. Uh, you know, there's been some numbers thrown out, like this 40 to $50 billion in trade. And um, I, I think the good news is some of the reports I saw from overnight suggest that, that China officials are also talking about a completed uh, so-called small package, and if that's the case, then at least hopefully we can move to a phase where we start seeing some of the detail on this. But um, you know, the uh, again, part of the problem. I, I did see one report talking about 30 million tons of soybeans. That certainly would put us back to where we had been, kind of pre-trade war, um, and that that would be a good thing. Um, it, but you know. It, at current prices, or even if you expect a little bit of a price boost from that, you're talking in the range of 11 to 12 billion dollars. So it's a it's a long way from that 40 billion that was reported. And the only thing I can think of, and, and in fact, uh, Secretary Purdue sort of made mention of this, and um, in some of the other reports, is that this isn't a one-year total. At least in the near term, it's a, it's over a couple of years, and that that again would be consistent with 
kind of getting us back to a pre-trade war level. Were you surprised they started talking about those kind of levels, 40, 50 billion? Well, I tell you what I'm more surprised at. I mean, you know, we all, we often, in doing trade negotiations, you know, you, you would, you would always try to put that in value terms when you're talking about it to the public. But that's not how a trade agreement would, of course, look, because you, you'd get into all sorts of debate over, should, is that a, you know, a, a, a U.S. price? Is that a landed China price? Is what price are we talking about? You know, at what point in time? So, so you know, one normally talks quantities, and that's why when I saw the 30 million tons, I thought, okay, I, that, I, that I understand. That puts it more in the range of that. Yeah, I... I I, I don't see where you get forty to fifty billion um, for a one-year total. I mean, uh, again, uh, the details when they come out may prove me wrong on this. But uh, uh, I mean, think about again, as I say, the soybeans being around eleven to twelve billion. Uh, you'd have to import a lot more soybeans, and one thing China has said is that they're not going to cut into Brazil's share. So. Where does that come from? And remember, this is a time when actually soybean import demand has, has declined in China about 10% over the last two, uh, two years because of ASF and other things. Um, you could make it up with, with – uh, you certainly could, could export a lot of pork uh, to China, and, and hopefully we'll see some of that in the uh, uh, basket of goods that, that they're talking about. But, but again, that's a, that's a short-run thing because you, you expect that at some point – they're going to get a whole uh, control of African swine fever, and and you'll start to see cod production rebound. So, uh, yeah, it's hard. Again, it's just hard to make much of this until you see the details. But right now, there's there's a lot of questions. We're talking to Joe Glauber, senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute. Joe, optimism is one thing, but uh, throughout this whole trade war with China, I mean, we've kind of had our hopes build up and then let down, uh, whether it's, you know, we hear we were close to a deal and China backs out or things like that. I mean, I understand wanting to show uh, progress and goodwill and optimism, but is this a risk they have taken now of over-promising and under-delivering? Well, I have to tell you, I mean, that, that has been sort of the, the rule here. I mean, the, the you know, the, a lot of these even deals, even say things like NAFTA, just the new NAFTA agreement just doesn't. There, there isn't a lot there. I mean, we, granted, I, I think that there's some, some positive things in that in the new NAFTA agreement, but it's, it's not a, it's not a huge deal for American agriculture. And certainly, if you paint it in terms of, of how the old NAFTA agreement was ter- the worst deal ever negotiated, and this one comes out, it looks pretty much like the old deal. But, uh, um, you know, some of it's politics and and rhetoric and everything else, but. But, you know, hopefully, I mean, believe me, if we could get back to pre-trade war levels, that's that's a good deal for agriculture right now. It's just uh, um, uh, it, it's a shame to pay the price that, that agriculture has paid over the last 18 months to have, you know, uh, uh, not a lot more to show for it. I mean, I tell you what would make great news is to get rid of soybean tariffs, you know, to lower tariffs, out-of-quota tariffs on grains. Those things would be real positive steps that you could point to and say, but I, but I don't think we're we're really looking looking at that. I mean, I think we're looking at, at quantities and and it, you know it, it it it's 
sounds more like managed trade, which I'm not a big fan of, but uh, on the same token, I'll take that over no trade. I guess what the the one thing we got for sure out of it was a delay in more tariffs, right? Right, right. No, that that's right. And and so there's there's a truce, if if you will, and that's sort of where we've been over the last month or so uh, with 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 uh, the discussions of this deal, and then you know moving forward, we've had a truce on further escalation. Uh, but you know tariffs are pretty high. I think the average tariff right now is around twenty percent for both countries. Um, uh, and so, you know, moving back on that, I mean, to me, going back to a 3% tariff on soybeans would be the best news of all. Um, but, um, it, again, I, I don't think that's really in the cards right now. What do you make of China's recent purchases of U.S. ag products? Oh, I think they need, you know, they need U.S. soybeans and they need uh, uh you know they need pork. I think the, the swine fever thing is 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 large that impact, um, and you know this is the time of year they normally would be buying beans from us. So, um, uh, you know that's positive. Uh, just that we're nowhere near thirty billion, uh, thirty million tons uh, right now, and and so you know getting back to those sorts of levels is really would would help the sector a whole lot. So I guess when uh, the, the, this meeting coming up uh, shortly in Chile, uh, that will be a, a big uh, step right there to see is something announced then, signed, or do we see anything uh, really come out of that meeting, or are we just still uh, on hold here on this? Yeah, I hope so. I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's it, as you say, Mike, it's, it's real frustrating. You know, the market sees hear news of a trade deal everyone's you know you see those markets market prices move up and then as the lack of details and and conflicting reports come you know they they fall back down and i think this is a case where where some real clarity on on this agreement would really be a big help i mean it it had a good positive vibe last Friday at the White House. I mean, you, you felt like the relations were good, uh, even with the lack of details. I mean, can we take from that at least uh, uh, it seems to be, you know, on both sides a willingness to really talk and maybe get something done on these issues? Well, again, certainly on what what has been described as this sort of a small deal, small package, I think, yes. I think that, that uh, um, if they could, one, not have further tariffs, that's going to be very positive. Two, uh, if they can uh, negotiate some some buys for the uh, for their that meets their uh, import needs, that will be positive for them and and helpful for us. But uh, uh, it. Yeah, so I think that that all that is is quite good. The the all the the various details, though, uh, I think that's you know there's still potential for these things to to break break down. I I think that's probably less on the ag side, but some of the other issues that they're trying to to tie up as well. And and they're you know they're under U.S. is under pressure from uh, other sectors saying, hey, don't forget about us. You know why you got into this mess in the first place, and so you know you had this this back and forth on currencies. You had uh, all, certainly all the bigger issues like intellectual property and all that. Uh, 
you know, from the U.S. side, we'd like to see, um, you know, regulatory, uh, some regulatory reforms in China to, to get uh, approval processes fast, speed up approval processes for, uh, you know, uh, new U.S. varieties and things like that. And uh, I, I just don't have a feel for whether or not we'll see any of that. Certainly not in this package, I don't think. So it was a step hopefully forward, just maybe not as big a step as uh, we had hoped for or was even billed. Yeah, I think that's, again, the details may may prove me wrong. I hope they prove me wrong, but that's that's sort of where I am. And, and, and again, with, with some potential to break up, then we could very well be talking a week from now and say, oh, you know, too bad. Uh, but, I, you know, I think the, the president's under some pressure to get get some deal here too. I think the, um, you know, you see the, and, I, and again, we're not really talking ethanol or anything like that. But there's a lot of disappointment uh, today as right. well in, in that arena with people disappointed with what it, they thought they had got from from uh, the White House. So yeah, hopefully we'll see more coming soon. Joe, thank you very much. You bet, Mike. Thanks so much. Joe Glauber, Senior Research Fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute, joining us here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. With Make-A-Wish, the impossible becomes possible. A girl battling cancer can become a race car driver battling the course. The boy showing all the nurses his fire trucks can take the helm of a real one. 
Wishes can give kids with critical illnesses the strength to keep fighting, get better, and grow up. Where there's a wish, there's a way. Wishes need you. Visit Make-A-Wish at Wish.org. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Recently on Adams on Agriculture on USMCA, we look at the calendar and we know that the you know time gets really short here towards the end of the year. That's why getting this thing done sooner rather than later is so important. Well, it is, and we're really to be optimistic uh, that we still see that window here this year, and really would like to see it happen before we get too too much further into an election cycle. Um, I think there's a real need to uh, to get this done from both sides of the party, even with all the distractions that are there. Uh, I think there's an appetite for it. Timing just seems to be the issue. When is when's the right time to put in front of everybody? Um, boy, we have so many gifts that keep giving in Washington. You know what? The news of the day is is probably more indicated of, uh, or indicative of how soon we can actually get there. John Linder from Ohio, first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we continue to get a look at the harvest uh, around the Midwest, and we know that uh, some places have been able to do much more than others. It's just been that kind of year, but it's going to be a long, late harvest for everyone. Let's uh, let's go to the state of Ohio. Cy Prettyman joins us now. Cy, thank you. Last time we talked, to see you were either just starting or about to. How much have you been able to do, uh, and how much is done so far on your farm? Yeah, we've got uh, got rolling here a week or so ago on some beans, and uh, got a couple days left to, to knock out what we did get planted this year on that. Uh, so it's been rolling along nice. We've actually been uh, pretty pretty blessed over this way with the nice fall weather. We've stayed relatively dry uh, compared to a lot of our friends out west. It sounds like, 
and uh, so guys have been able to, to move along pretty pretty quickly here uh, once we've gotten rolling. But there's still guys waiting to get started. Uh, I think this week it seemed like in the neighborhood everybody was getting rolling on something. All right, so tell us about your bean yields. You happy with them? I'm actually, uh, yeah, I'm actually surprised uh, where they are for as late as our planting window was. Uh, we didn't plant. The majority of our beans went in the last week of June. And so my expectations weren't real high, um, but they've been coming in five to ten bushel better than what I anticipated. So uh, I've been pleased, and I haven't. It sounds like you know, uh, just kind of depends on planting date and farm uh, as to what those yields have been for guys. But uh, I was talking to a guy this morning down around Washington Courthouse, and his yields were pretty similar to to what ours were. Uh, I think they were planted earlier, but they turned off very dry, and um, so they. They aren't doing a whole lot better. I think I've heard some pretty good yields over to the eastern part of the state um, that were more comparable to where we were a year ago. Um, but ours are our yields are down significantly from where we were were last year. I guess you have to put everything in context, right? It, it's disappointing if you look compared to a year ago, but uh, if you look at the way this year's been, probably better than maybe you could have hoped for. Yeah, that's the thing. We we all said that last year was a really great year, a record year for a lot of us. And uh, we're like, okay, you know, reality is going to set back in at some point, and it's not going to be that way every year. And and it sure sure uh, set us back this year. But uh, yeah, all in all, though, I you know I'm not complaining. It could have been a lot worse, and uh, as long they're better than I anticipated, so I'm happy about that. What about quality? They look really good. Uh, Depending on the variety of bean, the bean size is um, on some of my fuller season beans was pretty good, um, and then some of the earlier season, shorter season beans they they were a little on the small side just because of some of the dry weather we uh, that we had in August September. Um, but overall, that and just in general, the quality of them looks looks decent, other than some smaller size than what I'd like to see. We're talking with Ohio farmers, Cy Prettyman. He farms uh, north of Columbus. All right, what about corn? Have you done much corn harvest? I have not started any corn. Uh, a couple days of beans here at the end of the week. We caught some rain last night, so we'll be out here for probably 24 hours and then uh, hope to jump back in, wrap up the beans, and, and start some corn next week. Um, I think there's there, – I've just seen a few fields opened up here in, in the neighborhood. But I know there's a lot of corn harvest going on in the southern part of the state, eastern part of the state, um, and yields sound variable. Um, the guy I was talking to this morning from that Washington Courthouse area, which is south of Columbus, uh, you know, they were uh, probably a 50-bushel range in what he was saying, depending on which farms he was on and where they were located and how much rain they got. So pretty variable, but definitely down probably 25 to maybe even more than 50-bushel compared to a year ago. We knew it was going to be this way just because of the way it's been. But here we are mid-October, and you haven't started any corn harvest yet. How's that feel? Uh, that's not totally unusual for here. Uh, uh, for us, typically, you know, if we get rolling on some corn in mid-October, that's that's usually a pretty early start for us. Um, I know that's different than other parts of the country, but uh, that's that's fairly typical for us. If I can, you know, my goal is to have beans done by about the 15th of October and jump into corn. And we'll harvest some ahead of that depending on the year. Um, but our, our corn that we planted there around Memorial Day, some uh, shorter season corn, it's, it looks like it's it's ready to roll. And I think uh, moisture-wise it'll be in good shape and shouldn't be a problem to go at it next week. 
So you don't feel like you're really too far behind you or much later than usual? Uh, not uh, not really on, on the corn harvest. Um, you know, we might be a little bit behind, but I don't have, of course, I've got a half a crop out there to go get as far as acres go. So I still think I'll be able to wrap up in a fairly timely fashion. Um, and, and we've had a good run here on the beans. And again, we didn't have as many acres to get in, but uh, usually I like to start on beans, you know, that last week of September, first week of October. And it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, 10 days, two weeks later than that this year before we got rolling. But it's been good since we got going. Any concerns with stock quality and uh, that corn standing till you get to it? I think we'll be okay um, for no more acres that we have to go get. I'm starting to see, you know, a little bit of some tops coming out, uh, some things like that. We've had some wind here in the last few days. So it does concern me that uh, we don't want to leave it standing out there too long with all the stress it went through this summer and, and probably some uh, – nitrogen deficiency just from leaching from all the rain early in the season uh so it's it's definitely a concern but i haven't seen anything that's really gone down uh, and, it, and really haven't seen anything across the neighborhood uh, in this general area that looks in bad shape yet but i'm sure everybody's anxious to get out there and grab it you're thankful you ha- you're not dealing with the snow and the very wet conditions others are dealing with no uh, we we experienced the wet conditions a year ago um and that was, you know, that made it a real bear to get harvest done. And, and so I feel for those guys that are having to deal with that. And then the snow issue up north, I mean, that just looked a uh, horrible uh, situation. So, uh, yeah, I definitely feel for those guys and hope they can get things, the weather to turn around and give them some, some decent decent chance to get things in. All right, Cy, thank you for the update. And uh, we'll check in another time a little later and see how corn harvest goes for you. Thanks a lot. Sounds great, Mike. Have a great day. Go Bucks. All right. Take care. Go Bucks. Cy Prettyman, he farms north of Columbus, Ohio. All right. That wraps it up for today. Tomorrow, more reaction to this EPA announcement on biofuels. A lot of concern. We'll get into that and much more. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Have a good day, everyone. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions.